Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. This is episode number 74 and I'm a little bit late getting it out because I've had a head cold that has had one of my ears sort of plugged up for the last couple of days and it finally got good enough today where I felt like I could get on here and actually talk into a microphone. So we'll see how it goes. In this episode, I want to, as I often do, do a couple of things. The first thing I want to do is thank, without mentioning any names, the several people who have recently written to me. I, I think over the last couple of episodes, I've betrayed a few um, personal feelings, maybe in the tone of the podcast, that I, I think that I have expressed some futility and frustration, uh, certainly frustration, and the feeling that perhaps all of this is somewhat futile. And I had, it was exactly two people who um, sent me a message along with um, a purchase. They, they just bought something. And, you know, I'll mention this too. When, when someone becomes a grass talk radio supporter or buys any of my eBooks or any of my videos, anything at all in my download store, there is a little space there where somebody can write me a message. And what's strange is when I get the email, I don't see that for some reason. I don't know. I, I'm primarily looking at those emails on my little iPod because it's, I can carry it around with me and throughout the day while I'm sweeping or doing something, I can go over there and check. And I'm always on the lookout for an email from somebody who has bought something and is having some sort of technical difficulty. And, and then I, you know, that's first priority and second priority is somebody that just wants to tell me something or ask me something and I'll flag those to later respond to them. So anyway, I was online looking on my laptop computer and I saw a message from somebody and on my mobile version, it didn't show up. So I may have missed some messages from some people. Maybe I wouldn't have been so feeling down and out here lately. I haven't really been feeling down and out, but I've been somewhat mystified by not let me back up. I'm not really mystified. I know how things go. If you, when you roll dice, you know, sometimes you'll get snake eyes like five times in a row. That's just the way rolling of dice goes. And I feel like my website and, you know, who, how many visitors I get per day and how many uh, people listen to the podcast each day is somewhat out of your control. It's certainly out of my control. You know, if, if Google likes you for some reason, you know, they can make your life really good. And if for some little thing can change about their algorithm 
and suddenly you used to be number one for this particular search term, and now you're number three. And I don't know what they do. I'm not even sure they know what they do. But anyway, been a little bit of a dry spell over the last few weeks, and I got two two messages from people, and it was it was just it was the it was like putting a set of jumper cables on my battery. My battery had just run down in terms of enthusiasm for thinking that I'm, yeah, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, you know, I maintain the website to give away the, the, the free lessons. And there's people there every day looking at them. And I'm just, you know, wondering why don't they, you know, what, you know, can't they read between the lines here? So anyway, I've, I've expressed a little bit over that over the last couple of episodes and, if that bummed you out, I apologize. Um, you know, it's, um, it, this is a reality podcast where I just come on here and say what I really think. I was joking with my son that I might start a new podcast that wouldn't be so limiting. That wouldn't be just bluegrass and for people who play bluegrass, but something of a more general nature. And I was going to call it, uh, um, Tell us what you really think, Brad, because I think you might be entertained if I, if I really said what I really think about a lot of things, you know, you always have to tone it down. It's, it's like that little switch you flip when you, let's say you work in a steel mill and you show up for mass and somehow there's a little internal switch that you throw so you don't use you know, swear words in front of the priest, you know? So, you know, having that self-control, I, I do that a little bit. I, I sometimes catch myself and you've probably heard it in some episodes where I had this perfect colorful word that I was going to use and somehow the brakes were applied just in time where I didn't actually say it. But anyway, I'm getting way off track here and I, I am going to make this one a little bit short because my voice is <laughs> it's still a little bit clunky. So I just want to say thank you to those people who wrote me that message. And the only thing I would suggest, I, you know, I can't alter PayPal's little payment. You know, there's nothing I can do to change that, that little message. I think it says message to seller or something. I, I can't fix that. And if you write something in there and I don't respond, there's a good chance I just didn't see it or didn't notice it. And what I want to say is that if you do want to tell me something and be certain that I read it, send me an email and you can go to, well, just go to grasstalkradio.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom. And there's going to be a, you know, how to contact me thing. That's also on bradleylaird.com where everything resides. There's a right at the very top. There's it says contact contact. You click that and you'll be presented with the email. I guess it's an even email form. I did that so long ago. I've kind of forgotten, but you can email me. If you do that, I will see it. And thank you to the people who have successfully read between the lines. Now let's get into the topic for this episode. And it's something that just gripes me and bugs me that 
there are let me let me put it this way you have a question about something so who do you ask do you just stop some random person on the street and say look i there's a squeak in my right rear wheel and i i don't know what's going on with it so you just stop the first guy that comes along and you say hey uh I got this squeak in my wheel. Can you uh, tell me what's what the deal is? What's going on here? People do that all the time, you know. But there is no telling what kind of answer you're going to get. You may get the correct answer. You, you, you may also get, you know, the how the heck would I know, you know, thing. But I see this all the time, and, you know, I don't mean to make any enemies at any particular online forums, but Lord have mercy, sometimes I read the subject lines and look at the questions that people post, and I just shake my head, and I go, this person who is asking, I'll I'll give you a typical question, which mandolin should I buy? Oh, man. Well, they're going to get responses. You post a question, and you're going to get responses. But are you? what are you really going to learn from that? You know, you don't know anything, especially if you're that person that just started, and you're asking the question, what mandolin should I buy? Well, some guy is going to come on there who is really into classical mandolin and thinks the old round-back uh, Neapolitan European style mandolin is just the thing, and he's probably going to push you in that direction. And then along is going to come a bluegrasser who is, you know, a dyed in the wool believer in the Lloyd Lore um, concept, and he will push you in those directions. And then there'll be people that started six months before you who got a really good deal for ninety nine ninety five and free shipping with their Amazon Prime on some mandolin-shaped object, and they're having a blast with it, and they'll come on there and suggest that. And then you'll have the, like, people that just acquire instruments by, I don't know, know, they call it mandolin acquisition syndrome. But they're just really into all these instruments, and maybe they don't, uh, they're not really a bluegrasser, they're not really any particular thing, you know, maybe they're kind of into the dead or something, you know, I don't know. And they might uh, suggest some sort of, you know, blue electric mandolin or, you know what I mean? Now, all those people are just telling you what they think, but none of those things are necessarily what you need or what you want. So it just, it's just a lot of, uh, Blah, blah, blah in my book doesn't really mean much, you know. And I also think that maybe people are just posting questions like that because they just want a little simulation of human contact, you know. Because if somebody replies to your question, then you exist. It's a very thin, watered-down version of real human contact. But it's something. It's better than nothing. I'm not knocking it. But I think a lot of questions 
and comments and things that get posted, get posted for that reason that people are just needing a little more contact and, you know, and you can, you can sort of become friends with people online that way. And people choose the people that they like their answers and it makes them feel good and they get all warm and fuzzy inside. And, but, uh, you know, as far as carting away a really good solution to your problem, you know, it depends on the question. If it's a question that's highly subjective, like what mandolin should I buy or um, what book should I get? Well, there are thousands of books. It depends. You know, it, it depends is the only true answer that somebody should immediately give to something like that. It all depends, you know, like, can you read music? Have you played other instruments? What kind of style are you into? And. You know, it's if you don't have a conversation, you can't ever get to the bottom of the question and you can't really get the best possible answer from the person who's trying to answer you. And the the, the, the maddening thing that I see on, on forums, is, and I, this is probably true for Facebook, although I don't hang around there much, and Twitter and all that, is that you get a gang response. You put out your question. And blam, you get hit by four or five people at once. And uh, sometimes they're agreeing with each other. Sometimes they're disagreeing with each other. And so when it's all over and the smoke clears, those people move on. They find another question that they can respond to. I really think there are some people that their hobby, like chewing gum for the mind, is to watch for anything posted online and so they can respond to it. Now, I don't know what kind of uh, endorphin response or dopamine is released in the brain when you do that. I, I don't know. I have done it a few times, but I've always tried to be very careful in my answer and, you know, tell the truth. And sometimes I've, I have very low posting counts on these forums. But anyway, if a person comes comes along and says, you know, I want to learn to play the mandolin. I'm using mandolin, for example. You'll see this if, you know, if you go on guitar forums or bass or anything. And it they start throwing out these questions about, you know, what should I get? Um, what book? How? What video? Whose who's instruction stuff? What? It all depends. There are certain people... You would think that I'm going to make a big plug for my stuff. And there is no way that if somebody came along and said, I want to play classical mandolin. That's what I want to do. If they came to me, I might point them towards the tuning video, the free tuning video. But I would say, you know, here, there are some other people that that is really their thing. You know, I'm not your guy, not for that. The same would be true, you know, if, if somebody, I've had people come to me for guitar lessons and, it, you know, drag an electric guitar in and I would show them how to tune, show them the basics, show them, get them started and then suggest another teacher because that's just not really my cup of tea. But if somebody comes along and they want to play bluegrass and certain associated genres of music that are kind of related, like 
some kinds of country gospel, even a little bit of that, what I call hippie grass. And, you know, there's a lot that you can do with the knowledge you gain by learning to play bluegrass that carries over into some other genres. But, you know, I'm going to be honest with people. If, if somebody comes along and says, well, I've been thinking about taking up the mandolin and I would, you know, like to go to some bluegrass festivals and get in some jams and maybe, maybe if I get good enough one day, you know, maybe put a little band together or, or you got that person who's been doing all that and they say, you know, I really want to get a little more serious about this and become a better bluegrass mandolin player. Then I can help that person. And I, I'm not afraid to tell them that I can help them. Because that's what I did. That was, you know, the things that I did and can prove that, that I, I did those things. And so my knowledge and experience and, you know, I've got some credibility for doing that. I have no zero credibility for teaching you to play, you know, blues guitar. It's just not my thing. So anyway, these, these people, you know, post their questions and they get responses from people who have all these different backgrounds and different, um, you know, ways of looking at the world. And so I don't know if it really helps anybody that way. Um, it is handy, especially when it's things that have a very cut and dried yes or no answer or trying to source out a source for a certain thing. Very useful. Or just to get a little feedback like, well, let me, let me give that example first. Let's say you were looking for a set of um, mandolin tuners, replacement tuners for a mandolin. Or tuning buttons or a tailpiece or a bridge or something like that. And you, you come on there and you say, look, I've got this and here's, here's my issue and I'm looking to replace these tuners. Does anybody have any suggestions as to, you know, a good replacement set? Those answers will be, it's easier for people to give a good, reliable answer to a question like that. Or you might come on and say, what do you think of the model XYZ brand XYZ mandolin? And people will tell you, they're not going to come in there and tell you, about something else because you didn't ask that question. Well, they, they might tell you about something else, but you know, if your question is very specific, you'll get more specific answers. So, so here's, here's what I think where now that I've talked about people asking their questions, I'm going to change uh, the, the direction of the podcast just a little bit and talk about, the two things that a person needs in order to become a, a player, a good player. And I'm leaving off the initial thing, which is desire. You got to have that. So let's assume you've got the desire and now you want to learn to play. And I'm not going to talk in this episode about how far you want to take that, you know, how good do you want to become? Because frankly, that all depends upon that desire thing. So let's set those two things aside. But once you've made the decision that you want to play and you want to play on some level, you need two things. You need the instrument. 
and you need the you need the knowledge to operate that instrument you got to have those two things there are some other things that are important that float around that but those nobody can deny that you could have a perfectly good instrument and not know how to play it. Lots of people in that category. Or you could know how to play and not have an instrument. It was just stolen. It was just lost in a house fire. That one's a little more rare because most people that do know how to play have the instrument. But you got to have both. So the beginner comes along and he tends to begin with the instrument logically so it's hard to learn to play something you don't have so they start there and that's where all those questions appear on the forums what should i get and that's fair but just take every answer with some grain of salt so you're at the choosing an instrument stage well how do you know what to get well you, you would think to yourself I want to have a quality instrument of a high enough quality that it sounds good and it can play easily and comfortably and won't fall apart and I'm not going to have a lot of trouble with. So who do you turn to? You turn to an expert, someone who has made a lot of instruments, an instrument that is popular, you know. An instrument with a good reputation and you'll get some feedback from you know the forums are just asking around ask ask if you want to play the mandolin ask some mandolin players what do you think you know so to get a good quality instrument and I don't care what price range it's in it that depends upon your wallet but you want an instrument that was created by someone or some business could be an individual or it could be a factory setup but you want an instrument that was created that was made by somebody knowledgeable somebody that knows what they're doing you want someone who is experienced at building that instrument you know no no question that you might get lucky and build a good mandolin on your first try, but your tenth one is probably better. And your hundredth one is probably even better. I'm not saying your hundred thousandth mandolin is necessarily better because the board of directors may have uh, caused you to make some poor decisions and your quality may have gone down or whatever. But at, at its core, you want somebody who's knowledgeable about creating that instrument and you want somebody who's experienced at building an instrument and you want them to care you want them to care and have attention to detail now admittedly based upon the price you can only care so much for a hundred bucks you know you can only care so much for 200 bucks and at the two thousand dollar level they can care a little more and take a little more attention to detail but you want somebody who if they're selling a two hundred dollar instrument they still care that it functions correctly and that it was put together correctly. So you want someone who has 
care and attention to detail that this thing is well thought out. And you want somebody who will be honest with you and deal with you fairly. When you're buying an instrument, you don't want to be lied to and you don't want to be ripped off. And to find this person you, you or company, you look for someone who has a good reputation. And it could be there. Well, five people told me on the forum that that was a good choice. Well, that's better than five people telling you that's a bad choice. Or it could be the fact that the company has been in existence since 1833. In the case of Martin Guitars. And they've built, you know, what, I don't know, five, six, I don't know how many millions of guitars. And people speak very highly of their guitars. So that could point you in the direction of their stuff. So that's, that's all pretty basic. You do this when you shop for a car. You do this when you're choosing a college or when you're looking for somebody to um, replace your septic tank. Knock on wood. Hope I don't have to do that anytime soon. You want somebody that's knowledgeable, experienced, cares about what they're doing, and is honest, and treats you fairly, won't lie, has a good reputation. But, so you got your instrument, you did all those things, and you got your instrument. Or maybe you didn't do those things, and you got something you didn't like, and you had to go back and start over, and get rid of that thing you bought, and get something else, maybe. Okay, so now you got the instrument, and the next step is learn to play it. And this is where it all breaks down. Every, for most people, everything I just said about buying an instrument is completely logical and makes total sense. And then they get to learning to play it and they throw all that out the window and they decide that they will teach themselves how to play. So, or they'll go down to the nearest music store and sign up from le for lessons, or they will sign up for some subscription site or even buy one of my books or whatever, or go to YouTube and spend a lot of time jumping around, looking at videos. And, you know, it's just like, they're willing to do anything except all those things they did with the uh, buying the instrument. Because when they bought that good instrument, regardless of its price range, they were relying on an expert's advice and reputation. Then they go out and they, they um, anoint themselves as the ultimate expert in deciding what is good instructional information and instructional materials and methods. And they decide what's good and what's bad. And that's, that's almost like, um, let's say you want to learn to play the mandolin. And the first thing you do is get out some wood and start carving a top and start making a mandolin. You know, probably that's not going to be the greatest way to get started anyway. It's a great way to get started building mandolins, but it's not necessarily the greatest way to get a good instrument in your hands quickly. You know, you might get an instrument in your hands. I built stuff when I was in high school. I built a fiddle that I actually threw it away. It was so bad, I threw it away. Um, and I built instruments, you know, and I'm, I'm, I still tinker with them. I've got a mandolin about three quarters of the way done right now that I fiddle around with every now and then. But people, when they get to the learning stage, they've, maybe it's because they've already invested money into the instrument. They're, they're beginning to 
tighten up a little bit and they're thinking, well, you know, I can learn to play this. That's free. It's free on YouTube. I can go on the internet and search for free banjo lessons and go over to Bradley Laird. Who wonder who that guy is? And, oh, here he's got all these lessons on here. And okay. But what they don't do is um, a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody, but they they don't actually take the expert's advice. You know, presumably if that that instructional God that you have found is telling you, okay, do this and you do it. And then he says, now practice that. And when you can play that, move ahead and do this next thing. This is another place people go badly wrong is that they don't do what the guy said. You know, they think somehow that, uh, Maybe if I flip a few pages ahead, I can get straight on to playing the songs or, or it's a little difficult. So they think, well, this guy don't know what he's doing. I'll go over here and try this other thing, you know, and they jump around and they wander from place to place and they develop large stacks of instructional books, which then they later sell in the classified section on certain uh, websites. You know, these are all, all the books that didn't work for me. And then they begin to question what they're doing. Maybe, maybe I, maybe the mandolin is just not my thing. Maybe I should take up the banjo or maybe I should chuck all this and take up, you know, large mouth bass fishing or something. You know, they doubt themselves. And, you know, some people are just frankly too lazy. They're too lazy. You know, I've had many a student that wouldn't crack their case once they walked out the door. They'd come every week for some period of time. But, you know, I, I used to hand out little paper receipts. This is going way back in the early 80s at the, when I was teaching at a music store. And I'd give them a little handwritten receipt for, out of my receipt book so I could keep track, you know, $6 for a half-hour lesson. And the last thing I would do at the lesson was hand them the receipt. And they'd lay it on top of their instrument and shut the case. They'd come back next week, lay the case down, open it up. And the, the vacuum and the little wind current of opening the lid would cause that little paper to flutter around and it's still laying there right on top of their banjo. You know, you're not going to learn to play like that. You got to have that thing out. You got to be picking on it. That's, that's uh, rule number one. But then, you know, in the instructional material, it'll tell you stuff like that or certainly imply it. You know, when, when there's lesson one and lesson two and lesson three and lesson four in some series or something, what are you doing in, fooling around in four? Can you really do number one very well? And I've said in, in most all of my books, instructional books, that at some point in there, I will say from time to time, go back to the very beginning and start over. And it'll be a lot easier, but there's going to be things that you didn't master on your first pass through in your rush to get to the end to play. So one of the things that also befuddles people as they move along through the self-teaching process, and hey, I actually believe that everything is self-taught. That may sound odd coming from a guy who, you know, wants to teach you how to do something, but at the root of things, it is self-taught. I can provide a lot of information and I can demonstrate a lot of things, but I can't make you do it and I can't make you understand it. So as a person is 
learning to play. And I don't care if you're, you're taking, this is, you know, taking lessons, reading books, doing it. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. There has to be a feedback loop. And if you're all by yourself, your feedback is your own perception of how you're doing. And that is of ultimate importance. It's very important how you feel about what you're trying to do. So regardless of the method by which you're taking in information, when you're practicing and when you're learning to play, there has to be a feedback loop. And when you're alone, you're it. So you're your own judge of how you're doing. How's it sound? How's it feel? You know, you're rating yourself. And every musician does that pretty much all the time. But sometimes, like stopping that guy on the street corner and saying, hey, what's wrong with my car? Sometimes the feedback you get is not very good feedback. For example, you're playing your banjo and you're practicing for two hours and then you ask your wife, how does it sound? Well, first of all, regardless of the answer, she may not play the banjo. She may be sick of hearing you play it. Uh, or she may be trying to build you up and encourage you and say, that sounds great, honey, or, or whatever. So just feedback for the sake of feedback once, you know, doesn't necessarily tell you the truth about what's going on. So much like selecting someone to teach you or someone to build an instrument for you, you're looking for feedback from somebody who has some credentials, at least somebody you trust, somebody you think will be honest with you and somebody who will not lie, but be fair and friendly. You know, you know what I mean? You, it doesn't do you any good to get, um, just pats on the back. You know, I used to get real disturbed by people who'd come up after a show and just be going on and on and on about how good you were because sometimes it just wasn't true, but I still appreciated that. But I, sometimes I would think, well, that's, that's, you know, I would just say thank you and smile, but. You know, I would walk away thinking, well, but yeah, but it might have been that to you, but to us, we, we had some problems up here and some things we got to iron out. I'm glad you enjoyed the show, but you basically don't know what you're talking about. And your friends and family may be in that category. They may go, man, that's, that's great. You know, you pull your banjo out at a party and start plunking around and everybody tells you how great you are, but doesn't mean it's true. That's it's different than if Bela Fleck pulls you aside and says, Hey, you know, your banjo playing is really awesome. So you have to take with a grain of salt, the feedback you get from your friends and family, unless they're musician friends and especially musicians who you look up to and you admire their playing and their musicality and their, and so on. The, those sorts of opinions are good, although sometimes there is a natural tendency by most humans to be nice, you know, and not just tell, you know, it's like, hey, do you like my haircut? Yeah, yeah, it looks good, man. You know, when, you know, later on you're going, God, who gets a crew cut these days, you know? Then there are jam sessions. And jam sessions is a little more, you get that, um, 
you get that feedback of all kinds. You get feedback from people who don't know what they're doing and you get feedback from real experts. And some of it is nice and not true. And some of it's true and not nice. So you, you get a little bit of everything and you get to pick and choose who you believe, or you just get the reaction of the people, you know, you know, that when their jaw drops, as you play your break, you don't know whether they're, they're completely disgusted by what you just did or whether they're completely amazed, you know, and, uh, you know, you'll find out how people react to what you're doing. So jam sessions are full of feedback. So are, you know, band situations where you get into a band and you're playing gigs and what's the audience doing in reaction. That's certainly all taken into account in the feedback loop. Um, a paid teacher is some pretty reliable feedback. If you're paying them and all those other qualities apply that they, they care and they do have the knowledge and the experience and so on. I mean, there, there are people teaching mandolin lessons in guitar stores that, um, you know, don't play the mandolin quite frankly, you know, but they need the 20 bucks, you know, but nonetheless, they, even people like that, maybe it's a guitar player who's teaching some mandolin lessons. He still knows a lot about music, we assume. So not saying those people are just to be completely ignored, but basically when you pay a teacher, you also want their honest opinion and, you know, you can, you can rely on that a little bit, a little bit more than, you know, people just patting you on the back or, you know, criticizing you or building you up at jam sessions or in your living room. Uh, so back a few years ago, you know, I was looking at all these, um, I've got all these videos that I sell and eBooks and stuff. And I freely admit that the missing element is feedback. And, you know, you can download a video and learn how to play salt Creek and the, the variations of it. And, you know, there's nobody there to tell you if you're doing it right, you know, or, or maybe you're doing it right, but maybe if you made this little change, if you stop playing that note with your second finger and use your ring finger for it, you know, it, it'd make it a lot easier and it'd sound better. And you don't get that feedback. So that's part of what I'm trying to do in this podcast is to give you some of those things that are like general feedback that applies to everyone or that might apply to you and, you know, get you to thinking so that you do a better job of analyzing what you're doing. Um, but anyway, I was thinking, uh, there are, there are a couple of sites that, you know, sell video instructions and so on where there's a methodology for you to film yourself and, you know, be viewed by the creator of the material and, you know, get some feedback on what you're doing. You know, I just took this salt Creek lesson and here, here I am playing it. What do you think? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And that seems like a popular selling point for, you know, certain of these uh, subscription sites. And I didn't have that because I've never been a subscription type operation. So I, I launched doing Skype lessons, which I, I no longer do, by the way. But for a few years, I, I did Skype lessons, too, and became frustrated with the technological limitations of that, that whole thing. But I think it was useful to people, especially people who that that wasn't their only means of learning, but that they were learning, you know, with the other stuff, the books and videos. 
And it was just a place for me to see what they're doing. So anyway, a couple of years ago, I reintroduced a system that I call the personal feedback system, which I'll put a link to on the show notes page. Just so that I could say, you know, if you're following any of my lesson materials and using that to learn and you want to ask a question or you want to make that video of yourself and ask something about a lesson or ask for feedback on how you're doing things and you want to ask it of the person who created that material, then I made this little system and you could uh, just on a one-off basis purchase a one-time exchange like that. And I just put it up there just to see if anybody would actually do it. And in the entire time, I think it's been up there two years, I've had one, one person. Now, I don't know how many videos and eBooks I've sold, uh, but a lot, not certainly not enough to become some kind of, uh, you know, millionaire or billionaire, but you know, I pay the rent, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Keep gas in the car. When I say a lot, I mean a lot compared to the number of people who have done the feedback. Maybe they're getting enough feedback from their, you know, friends and family and jam sessions and the other members of the band and all that. I'm not saying everybody needs my personal feedback, but it's there. I'm just telling you, it's, it is there for the brave. I think sometimes people just don't want the feedback because they're afraid of what they might hear, you know? <laughs> anyway, I just toss that out, not because I hope to uh, get your money for, you know, doing a personal feedback system exchange with you. But I just want to tell you, it is there if you, if you want to do it. And of course, I always encourage anybody who is using my materials, if they have a question about those materials, send me an email and ask me, you know, I, I'm the guy that wrote that paragraph. I'm the guy that said that whatever in this lesson. And I'm probably the most likely person to give you a, you know, to straighten out anything that I, that I said, you know, make it more clear. So be sure that if you're using my stuff, you know, my email inbox is open to you. Now I had a phone call in the middle of this episode and had to back up and re-record a couple of minutes while the phone was ringing. And it was my son calling because my wife and son have taken off on a little road trip and left me here to my own devices so I need to call them back and, uh, hopefully by next week, my, my voice will have cleared up a little bit. Anyway, y'all take care and I'll talk to you in the next podcast.